Welcome everybody to the Be Kind Podcast. We're part of the Animal Advocate's mission to create a more compassionate world for all living creatures, whether or not it's 90 degrees out or 19 degrees out, but today it's 90 degrees out. It's very hot. All animals deserve to be loved and all animals should be loved, and we're working to make it a world where all animals are loved. And today we are continuing the Compassion Continues campaign to talk about some of the things we're doing uh, with our vegan challenges coming up in the near future. But before we go into the vegan challenges in the near future... We're going to look back on some of the past vegan challenges and some of the participants from there. So today, I'm Joe, joined by John. Hello. And we're also joined by Zach and Jamie, who are two past participants of a Animal Advocates Vegan Challenge who have since continued their vegan journey after the challenge ended, and they've awesomely agreed to come on the show and tell us about their experience and help us get hyped for the next one. So Zach, Jamie, do you mind introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about how you got hooked into the original vegan challenge? Yeah, so I'm Jamie. I'm Zach. <laughs> and we actually saw the vegan challenge as a, like an ad on Facebook. So for me, my story is probably a little bit longer. But <laughs> growing up, I've always loved animals. I like I would play with worms and spiders. <laughs> like I just I've always loved all creatures. I always kind of questioned why am I eating these creatures that I love, but I was always reassured that like it's fine, you have to, and all of that kind of stuff. So. I never really built up the confidence to make a change or to even like learn enough to know that I needed to make a change until later on in life. About a year before we did the vegan challenge, we actually did a Whole30 diet, which is where you like eliminate a bunch of different foods from your diet. So like you eliminate dairy and sugar and what all was it? A lot of stuff. I don't even remember everything. It was just a fairly restrictive diet with the goal of reducing inflammation and just kind of general wellness. Yeah. So that kind of like started helping me to see the connection between food and health, which is obvious how food really affects the way that your body functions. And then in addition to that, I'm like super passionate about zero waste and minimalism. I've been trying to figure out what kinds of stuff I'm throwing away and how to either not need that stuff or replace it with something that isn't wasted. And when doing that, I realized that like our meat packaging, I'm like, I don't know how to get away from that unless I raise my own animals. There's no way that I would ever be able to kill an animal. So I'm like, why am I eating these creatures if I can't even participate in the process of getting them to my plate? Just didn't add up for me. And then my niece was 13. It was about two years ago now that she's been vegan. So when she was 13, she went vegan. It was really inspiring to see her stand up for what she believed in. So kind of all of those things together (laughs) were going on in my world when I saw the challenge. And it seemed like a good structure for me to finally take the plunge and learn what veganism is and see if it's something that I could do myself. That's awesome. I think a lot of people can relate to your thoughts behind your motivations to go vegan. I think it's interesting how so many people will pick up the spider or cockroach and let it outside, but then they'll go and eat a chicken sandwich for lunch or something. So I think that's something a lot of people experience themselves in their everyday life. And taking that next step to remove that cognitive dissonance, I think, is a very brave and bold move that more people should do. And Zach, is your story along the same lines or how'd you get looped in? Uh, mine's a little different. I found out about the vegan challenge from Jamie after she had already started to do the research. 
And she came to me and said that she was interested in doing this and wanted to know if I would participate with her. At that point, we'd already been through Whole30 and that kind of uprooted everything that I knew about food. And I love cooking in general. So doing Whole30 was really cool for me because I got to be in the kitchen a lot more and experiment with food. And when the vegan challenge came up, I saw it as another opportunity to just continue to be creative with the food that we eat and the meals that we prepare. That's kind of how I got into it. I said to myself, like, well, we did Whole30. Like, there's no reason that I can't do the vegan challenge. We'll do this for a month and maybe we'll find some cool recipes or practices that we can incorporate into our life. I signed on with Jamie and kind of lived vicariously through her structure and really started falling in love with all things non-animal food (laughs) and figuring out that pretty much anything that's not vegan can be veganized with just a little bit of creativity and some time. So that's really how I got into it. The more we got into it after the 30 days were up, we realized that this wasn't just going to be a fad or a, a passing thing. This is something that was here to stay. And the longer that we continue to live this lifestyle, the more that I learn and allow myself to, you know, take the blinders off of what animal agriculture markets to the general public. I really realize that this is kind of what I've always wanted to do without realizing that it's what I've always wanted to do. Yeah, we definitely going into it. I I remember Zach saying like, okay, well, I can do this for 30 days, but there's no way I can give up eggs. Like I'm going to need to be able to at least I'll probably at least be vegetarian. And then like a week into it, we were like, no, this is this is our life now. (laughs) Wait, we can go back. You watch one animal documentary and it's just like, wow, my life's a lie. (laughs) And I'm like super extreme. So I didn't just watch one. I watched all of the documentaries that were available to me. It was ridiculous. My whole life was just consumed by everything vegan. I mean, it still is. Pretty quickly, I realized that the the notion of a happy dairy cow or free range chickens was just, it didn't actually exist. And everything that I thought I was doing to be a responsible omnivore was pretty inaccurate and false. My transition has gone from being excited about cooking challenge to realizing that everything I know about animal agriculture is wrong and really developing a passion for animals in general and getting to know as much as I can about them as individuals and as a species. Well, it sounds like you took the mindful eating mantra and practices and took it to the next level of knowledge eating or practices where now that you are being mindful with the Whole30 challenge, now you add knowledge into that and take it really to the next level of, of veganism. So that is awesome to hear. And I love when people are very conscious consumers and very mindful and knowledgeable about how they're using products and how they're contributing to the world and society we are living in today. So could you tell us a little bit about the vegan challenge itself and some of the highlights from it for you? I think a few of the things that helped me the most was there were a lot of daily emails. It had just information about obviously animal agriculture and like the nutrients that you need and the myths. And there was a podcast involved in it. So there's a lot of different resources involved in those daily emails. And it kind of was like, here's more information that you didn't know. And here's a bunch of resources that you can use. And in addition to that, there was the daily journal. So that's something that I followed pretty heavily. And there was a list of different, I want to say goals, like for each day, like you pick what you want to focus on each day. And then you kind of write about if you follow through with it and how it was for you. And that really helped me learn a lot that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And I think we we also did the volunteer day at Lancaster Farm Sanctuary. And that was like, that was great. We got to meet, we got to meet 
I don't know if both of you were there. But I, I think, think it, we got to it meet. was just me there. Okay, yeah. yeah. We got to be there and we met Seth and I talked to Janina for a while and like just it was really cool being in a place with all vegans and it it kind of normalized veganism and took the stigma away cuz for me at least I'm used to being challenged with it like <laughs> <laughs> hunters in my family and like just growing up it was you have to have the meat and so people question us a lot with it and it was just really cool being surrounded by people who are like no this is totally normal and we're functioning healthy adults and we can do it so obviously you can too it's always a mind-blowing experience the first time you go to an all-vegan thing and you realize wait there's all these vegans out here i don't have to worry about (laughs) if there's eggs or milk in this or people judging me or anything it's so nice it's such a breath of fresh air but i'm sorry i cut you off oh no you're fine just i was just saying like since then we've been able to go to a bunch of other volunteer days too and it's it's been great to get to know everyone and get to know the animals yeah we were just at whispering rise helping out with some of the pigs and jeff over there that was a lot of fun i love pigs <laughs> i i noticed that <laughs> they seem to love you too that was that was really cool seeing all those pigs coming around you and yeah that was great yeah he was dubbed King of the Belly Rubs. Yeah, King of the Belly Rubs. <laughs> yeah, I'll gladly wear that crown. <laughs> so, Zach, what was the experience like for you with the vegan challenge? Well, like I said earlier, I kind of lived vicariously through Jamie's version of the challenge. I wasn't nearly as engaged with the structure, but the structure that it gave her allowed her to kind of help me, to help guide me. I like to think of her as my vegan guide post and it helped me kind of wander through my own journey of it. So she helped educate me with the resources that she was getting from the challenge. And together we were able to develop, you know, meal plans and just engage in the community. I think the more that we engaged with the community, the more that I started to fall in love with the community and just the the intent behind everyone's actions as a collective. And kind of like Jamie said, when we went to um, Lancaster Farm Sanctuary, it kind of demystified the radical vegan view that everybody thinks like, oh, you're vegan. Like, oh, they're making, you know, tofu in their bathtub. And gonna- <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, that actually sounds like a good idea. I'm going to do that. <laughs> tofu, tofu tub. Yeah. Coming to a store near you in 2022. <laughs> but yeah, so not as not as exciting or structured as Jamie's, but I tagged along and I tried to glean as much information from her as I could. And it, it's great to have that support. You're lucky because, you know, you're married. So you're around each other all the time and like you can feed off of each other and give each other ideas. And that's really great. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that, but it's nice to have like the challenge going on because that is your support. So it's it's really cool that you have that going on. Throughout the whole thing, we were both saying like, if it was just one of us doing it, like it would have been impossible to follow through with all this or to get to the point where we are now. Having the two of us supporting one another and participating and being mindful of our food yeah. and our environment has really made it so much easier to continue and to learn and to grow as vegans. How long have you been vegan? I don't believe we touched on that. Well, we started with the challenge in September of last year, so it hasn't even been a year yet. Wow. Something I'm a little curious is hearing about is I've been vegan over seven years now. I still get people asking me, are you going to be vegan forever or when are you going to stop being vegan? Yeah, That would be my grandmother, God rest her soul. But uh, <laughs> so when you were going through the challenge, how did people you knew react or what kind of questions or comments did you get from your friends and family or coworkers? I remember actually just the other day, someone was talking to us about our veganism and they gave 
the story of someone that they knew that went vegan and like they got tired of it over a year. They really just needed the chicken. So, you know, you'll be normal soon. <laughs> it's kind of that it gave off. That's kind of the first thing that popped in my yeah. mind. We've gotten a lot of a lot of the common feedback <laughs> from people. Oh, you're vegan, but do you eat eggs? How about fish? <laughs> yeah, I used to get that a lot too. My Protein. favorite question was, are potatoes vegan? <laughs> <laughs> do you eat they strawberries? Eat <laughs> yeah. When we we started the challenges in September and then October we got married and had our wedding and it was a really small wedding. We decided to do like a potluck type thing and it had to be vegan. Our entire family are meat eaters and non-vegans. So when we told everybody that it was going to be a vegan potluck <laughs> wedding that was, you know, kind of a short notice, <laughs> everyone was like, well, what do I bring? Everyone was we really actually, confused. We and- had a lot of support through that though my best friend is the opposite of a vegan and she did a bunch of research she actually taught me stuff that i didn't know it's awesome vegan cake and cupcakes cupcakes. Uh yeah it was pretty cool we did have my my dad the hunter was like well i'm bringing chicken wings because there has to be meat there but other than that (laughs) it was all vegan (laughs) Sounds like you yep. had your own little vegan challenge then there. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome though that you did that. We actually, um, something that I was thinking about when we were talking, COVID kind of really helped us with our transition to veganism. We weren't, I mean, we, we had our small reception outside with close family members, but we weren't really going to gatherings or interacting with people around that time. We're just now starting to get back out again and kind of be questioned by people and like getting the feedback from people now that we're attending events again. Yeah, I guess COVID time really allowed us to figure out who we were as Mm -hmm. vegans and like get comfortable in our own vegan skin. And then when people do challenge it, it makes it a little bit easier because you're a little bit more seasoned. You have more experience and more things to talk about when people challenge your, your lifestyle. Yeah, I, the past year, it's been hard. But one of the things I kind of liked about the past year, similar to your point, is I didn't have to go home or do any parties for Thanksgiving or Christmas or July 4th or anything. And I didn't realize how stressful those things were until I didn't have to do them this year. And I don't think I'm ever going to celebrate Thanksgiving again. It was great not doing it yeah. this year. We did Thanksgiving, just the two of us at the house, and it was awesome. Yeah. We had a lentil loaf. We had all kinds of stuff. It was great. And we're like, man, I hope next year's not. <laughs> it doesn't have to be <laughs> Vegan Thanksgiving might be the best version of Thanksgiving ever. (laughs) Well, hopefully, maybe this year I can bring back Vegansgiving, which you probably don't know about because you've run around for it. But it was like this big event we did where like it was basically a huge potluck and people just brought all types of stuff. We had to rent out spaces because the groups were so big coming. So hopefully this year we can start doing that again and hopefully you can come. Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, Is there food involved? It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Food out the wazoo. Yeah. A big part of the vegan challenges that I think gets kind of lost in communication or messaging around them is after it ends, you can go back to your meat-eating ways. Though we all know that the point of a lot of what we do is create an all-vegan world where everyone is practicing veganism. So what did it look like for you after the challenge where you lost that support network or structure? So actually, for me, at least when we went to Lancaster Farm Sanctuary, I was super into the organization as a whole. And I was asking a bunch of questions and I learned that there was a farm sanctuary near me, Huckleberry Charles. We're in Carlisle now, so it's like 20 minutes away. Oh, nice. So I 
instantly reached out and I've been volunteering there on a monthly basis since. So I kind of established my networks <laughs> before it was over. And I also, I started volunteering with the Humane League as well. So I've been, I've gotten involved with a bunch of different organizations. Within that month, I got involved with a bunch of different organizations that kind of continued on afterwards. And that helped a lot. Yeah, I'd say after the challenge was over, it seemed impossible to go back because it was the before times when (laughs) COVID was around and you couldn't really do anything. We just had each other and the support that we had already started to build and develop just carried over into our regular life and pretty much everything from then on focused on animals and advocating for their happy lives and making sure that we're reading labels and making tasty vegan foods all day. Yeah, we're really, our household is super centered around food. So <laughs> our meal planning, we just started a garden this year. So we're like growing our own food. We shop at farm markets all the time. So like, because of how centered around food we are as a household, once we incorporated veganism into it, it kind of, like I said, for me, at least like within a week, it was just like, oh, okay. Like, this is, this is my life now. There's no way we're ever going back. And like throughout that month, we established a new routine between our meal planning and like, like I said, the organizations and volunteering and mindsets, perspectives. I did a lot of research. I have a psychology background, so I'm super into behaviorism and stuff like that. I did a lot of research on that kind of stuff too. And I've just been practicing my conversation, like effective communication and everything kind of collectively made it pretty easy for us to continue on. It was a smooth transition. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head that once you make it a routine and build your tribe, it really just becomes life. It's no longer vegan food, vegan people. It's just people and food that happen to be vegan, which I think is really the end goal of a lot of what we do is just to remove that stigma, remove that intimidating nature that a lot of times people see when they hear the word vegan. Well, you mentioned you're super into food, so I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up food and go on and meander and ramble for another 20, 30 minutes. So (laughs) what was the biggest shift in your cooking or eating habits from your pre-vegan days to your vegan days? And how did you make that transition not only easy, but also enjoyable for you? Honestly, I didn't find much of a challenge with preparing food. Even before the vegan challenge, we didn't have a huge meat intake. There were some things like if we were going to make scrambled eggs or something like at first, I didn't really know what to do. So we just kind of worked around it. But you can do a lot with tofu and just egg. And there's ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. I mean, <laughs> And chocolate. Definitely a fat kid at heart. And I love <laughs> cakes. But, you know, Jamie had asked me the other day, like, is there anything that you really miss from before you went vegan? And I can't think of anything that I haven't been able to recreate or veganize. So I can still eat all of my favorite food. And I'm perfectly happy with the fact that it is all plant-based. So what are some of the things you planted uh, for your garden? Tomatoes and peas and beans and cucumbers, squash. Eggplant. Cabbage, eggplant. Yeah, so first you're doing a garden. So I'm like, okay, we'll we'll just do a row. We'll just do like some tomatoes and peppers and stuff. And (laughs) (laughs) 30 by 15 later. Yeah. That's awesome. We've got, we had a lot of friends like, Hey, I have extra plants. Do you want these? So we spent like 20 bucks and got everything else hand, like hand-me-downs and for free. So we're like, well, Mm -hmm. we'll try. (laughs) I love this time of year or 
I love a few months from this time of year when everyone's trying to get rid of their eggplants and zucchinis and they're literally just throwing <laughs> yeah. them at people on right. the street and I don't have to buy zucchini all summer. It's great. Bring them to me. There's <laughs> national sneak zucchini onto your neighbor's porch day. I might have gotten the word wrong, but something along those lines. Nice. Well, zucchini is great. You can do everything with it. You can make bread with it. You can eat it raw. You can cook it. You can fry it. You can mix it in with stuff. It's it's just an all-around amazing, Noodles. amazing vegetable. Yeah, it yeah. is. You can beat people up with it when it gets really big. <laughs> right. Use it as weights. Zucchini saber. <laughs> Jamie, also mentioned you're into zero waste. I think that's something that gets lost in a lot of the vegan messaging, too, is that it's really a movement for a sustainable, compassionate world. And part of that is the indirect impact we have on the environment and the planet with some of our consumption choices, with things like packaging, how sustainable or material resource intensive some things are. So what are some zero waste hacks or things you do that really help move that needle forward? Yeah, so I started out by just paying attention to what we were putting in the trash can and figuring out what we could do instead. So Clorox wipes was one big thing for me. Like I was, I used a ton of Clorox wipes and I'm like, I'm throwing all of these away. What could I do? So now I just have a bottle of cleaner and I use a rag and I'm not contributing to all of that waste. One thing that I learned that is super awesome that I hope everyone knows about is TerraCycle. If you haven't heard of it, it's a program where you can like print out free labels and they take a bunch of stuff that's not typically recyclable and they recycle it. They turn it into, I think they've done playgrounds. I don't know what all they do with it off the top of my head, but they do all kinds of stuff. With they have their, pens. They recycle pens. Yeah. Um, any like snack wrappers, yeah, um, snack chip wrappers. bags, bread bags, some milk containers that you couldn't otherwise put directly into your recycling, depending on your municipality. Yeah, there's, they, there's light bulbs and like all types of stuff. Yeah, they do all kinds of stuff. And it's been really helpful for our eliminating our waste. We actually, our trash, we were doing a weekly service. And to challenge ourselves, we realized that they had a bat like tags for your bags. So instead of paying every few months for a trash service, we got 12 tags for the year. So it's like a challenge to only have one trash bag per month. <laughs> Since what, March. March, we've used two bags. Yeah. So I'm guessing you do a lot of composting too then. We do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just built a big 13-foot-long three-bay compost bin. Oh, wow. Out of recycled pallets. That's yeah. Awesome. Of free materials. Before that, we lived, We just recently moved into our house. So before that, we lived in an apartment, and we composted it in, like, a little Rubbermaid tub <laughs> that we had. Hey, whatever works, you know. Still practicing. My zero-waste hack that I like to do is I'll save all my veggie scraps, like onion skins, broccoli stalks, cauliflower, whatever you call those and put them mm -hmm. all in a slow cooker for overnight or something with a bunch of water, and then you drain out the water, you got yourself homemade veggie broth. Yep. Yeah, we've been doing that as well. I heard something about making vinegar with fruit scraps too. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm gonna look into that. Sounds very pungent. <laughs> so bring it back to the vegan challenge. What would you tell somebody who's maybe thinking about signing on to the vegan challenge, but has some hesitations? try it i mean the worst that could happen is you're not into it and you're not ready or you know anything but it doesn't hurt to try there's really no pressure i mean there's a bunch of events that you can try you can go to if you want to if you're not comfortable you can receive the daily emails there's a, a huge variety of support and resources that's available so like if you're nervous about one thing you can do another thing there's really nothing to lose 
from giving it a shot. I would say participate in the volunteer day because getting that hands-on experience with animals is a life-changing event, not specifically relevant to the vegan challenge, but before the Whispering Rise event, I had this idea about pigs that they were just gross, stinky, mud-covered critters. And I told Jamie, I was like, I'd like to go just to validate that thought or have that stigma broken. And I became king of the belly rubs. (laughs) And now I love pigs. They're one of my favorite animals. So getting that experience with an animal that you may otherwise not have an opportunity to meet face to face is really important. And I think that the the animal world kind of brings a full circle for people who might be on the fence about vegans or I couldn't look a pig in the eye and be like, I'm going to eat you. You're going to be bacon. Like, no, you're a smart, sentient creature that builds a a family and a community. So it reminds us of our dogs. Exactly. (laughs) It's also really I think it's really important to be able to see the animals interacting in their natural environment. A lot of the animals you see, it just, it becomes a norm for them to be like sad and shut down. And when you see them actually being able to be who they are, it breaks that. You see them as individuals. Yeah, if you put a human in a cage for their entire life and never let them move around or talk or socialize, they probably wouldn't be very human either, right? Right. Exactly. true. Well, it's so great to speak with you both. And I'm so happy everything's working out great for you. And if anyone listening wants to be a part of the vegan challenge this year we'll put links to all that in the show notes but you can always email us at bekindpodcast at gmail.com we'd be more than happy to answer any questions or connect anything with you and zach and jamie i would be remiss if i didn't give you both the final party words for our listeners back home ladies first <laughs> try vegan just try it <laughs> it could really change your life for the better do yourself a favor and go pet some pigs <laughs> you, you got it try vegan pet some pigs Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great, great, great day or night, whatever time it is you're listening. Bye. Thank you for watching and listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Be Kind Podcast, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central Pennsylvania.